2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I'd like to speak to you tonight on the subject, Seeking the Face of God. On Sunday, this past Sunday, I I preached on the subject, The Face of My Father. It was Father's Day, and we had an exceptional visitation of the Holy Ghost at the end of our services, both the 9 a.m. and the 11.30 a.m. services. And there was such a tremendous response. And the blessing and favor of the Lord was on so many people. And even with our inability to gather at an altar during this social distancing season, the Lord did some tremendous things. We, of course, don't know what the Lord did to people or for people watching online. But I trust that you engaged not just with a service and singing or a sermon, but that you engage with God Almighty and that He did a great work in your life. I want to review just a couple of key points because it segues into my message this evening. But the face of God toward us equals favor and the face of God away from us equals disfavor. There are some references when the face of the Lord is against people to bring judgment on them. Jeremiah 21.10 speaks of this. But then the Lord said, I'm against you to destroy the city, to put you away and to remove you from my face. The essence of my message on Sunday about the importance of finding favor with God and fathers showing favor to their children, all the way from Cain in the Old Testament book of Genesis to Absalom and his father David. But then the blessing that Moses told Aaron and his sons to speak, specifically speak over the children of Israel. I want to just rehearse that, Numbers 6.22. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. And then Moses said, So shall they put my name, or the Lord through Moses said, So shall they put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. I felt like God confirmed His blessing and His favor in the hearts of many people on Sunday. And I hope you were one of them. We've learned that God, you cannot curse What God blesses. Balaam tried and failed. And regardless of our heritage, our struggles, our fears and faults, the Lord loves us and His face is toward us with favor. I was thinking about the seven churches of the book of Revelation, the seven churches in Asia Minor that Jesus Christ addressed in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. I rehearsed them in my message What is the Spirit saying to you just a few weeks ago? Five of those churches 
had serious issues. Some of them were deal-breaker issues if they did not repent. Yet the Lord called them His churches, and He reached out to them with redemption and correction, not in final condemnation. As we were praying in the altar on Sunday, I referred to the blessings that Moses said would come on the people of God for their obedience. He said, if you will hearken diligently unto my voice, the voice of the Lord your God, and observe to do His commandments that I command you this day, then God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. These blessings will overtake you, and if you will hearken to the voice of the Lord. And then he begins to go through in Deuteronomy 28, all the ways that God will bless His people. Now there's an important clarification that I need to make tonight. The favor of God is never deserved, but it never is unconditional. So while God's favor toward us is because of His grace and mercy in our lives, His favor is not unconditional. We must live in such a way to attract the favor of God so that His face would be toward us. God calls us to repentance, to a relationship with Him, and to spiritual renewal. And with that in mind, I want to teach this verse that to many of you is very well known, 2 Chronicles 7.14. And I want to speak about seeking the face of God. The verse in our text, 2 Chronicles 7.14, is set at the time of the dedication of Solomon's temple. In 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verses 12 through 42, Solomon offered a prayer of dedication to the Lord. He repeatedly asked the Lord, if our people err in their ways, if they sin, but then turn back to you and repent, then Lord, I pray that you would hear their prayer and forgive their sin. He said, if a man sins against his neighbor and repents, would you hear his prayer? If we're defeated in battle because of our sins, if we turn to you, would you please hear our prayer and forgive our sins? He spoke about the heavens being shut up from rain because of sin, and famine and crop failure because of sin. But yet if we turn from our sins and pray, would you hear us from this place and forgive our sin? He even says in verses 32 and 33 of Second Chronicles chapter 6, if a stranger, the King James says, a, a foreigner comes and he hears about who you are and he comes to this place and prays to you, Lord, would you hear his prayer? If we go out to war, hear us when we pray. If we're carried away into a land captive and there we turn back to you and pray, would you hear our prayer? Second Chronicles chapter 7 opens with the response of God to Solomon's prayer of dedication over the temple. The Lord answered with fire and the glory of the Lord filled the temple that was newly built. Sacrifices were offered in the thousands and tens of thousands as Solomon made sure that God knew that this was his house. Solomon and the priests performing their function, having to make room for more sacrifices. And then after that took place, Solomon went home and he was going to bed that night. But Second Chronicles 7.12 said, The Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I've heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself 
for a house of sacrifice. The temple was a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heaven, that there be no rain. So he's referring back to the prayer that Solomon prayed. Solomon prayed that if these things happen because of our sins, and we turn back to you in prayer. So now the Lord is repeating to Solomon what Solomon said, and the Lord is laying down the conditions of how he will hear their prayer. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locust to deliver the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Verse 15. Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. It's interesting that the Lord said, I'm watching and I am listening. I'm watching to see what is going on down here on earth in this temple. And I'm listening to hear for the prayers of people. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house, that my name be there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. So God's ears, God's eyes, and now he tells them my heart will be toward this place, the house of God. Second Chronicles 7.14 has been a recurring prayer in public life in America and I'm sure in other countries as well. I can think back through the seasons of my life when there was trouble or turmoil. The people would go back to the Old Testament. They would open their Bibles to Second Chronicles 7.14 and they would pull out this prayer about us turning to God with all of our hearts. This prayer has been put on posters and placards. It's been on prayer room walls and it's been the wallpaper of computer screens. When we get in trouble, we go back to 2 Chronicles 7.14. Just as Solomon said, we turn to the Lord in prayer because He has promised that if we will turn to Him, He will answer. Now I want to draw a distinction about national Israel and 2 Chronicles 7.14 and America today, and the church. As we study this passage in its context, we need to remember that God was in a covenant relationship with national Israel. If the nation sinned, they would experience national consequences and judgment. The Lord made it clear in the blessings and cursings of Deuteronomy 28. In the Old Testament, the people called by the Lord's name was national Israel. Now, in our day, America as a nation is not in the same covenant relationship with God. We are God's covenant people, but our nation is not covenant Israel. The people called by the Lord's name can be applied to Christians, and I believe specifically those of us who called His name in baptism and we all call His name in prayer, referring to apostolic believers. If, a, if an individual repents, a person, the Lord will send a revival to that person. If a local church repents and turns to God and seeks His face, the Lord will send a revival to that church. If America or any other nation will fall on their knees in repentance, 
No matter who they are, God is no respecter of persons. And if that nation will fall on their knees to God, then God will give that nation a revival. Now we are aware that America is in a cultural revolution, but it will not lead to a revival. The only thing that will bring a revival in America is seeking the face of God. A personal revival can grow into a church revival. And a church revival can explode into a citywide revival, a statewide revival, or even a national revival. But if my people that are called by my name and repent, and the nation does not, we can receive a revival while our nation would be still steeped in their sins. So I don't want to uh, imply today that if we as God's people pray to Him, that our country will automatically see an economic, military, or political revival. However, I would say to you that it begins with us. And if there is a change in our nation, it's not going to come from the secular humanists. It will not come from the anarchists or the atheists or those who are agnostic. It will not come from those who are trying to undermine the underpinnings of America. It will come from the people of God who are called by His name. And if we will humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face, if we will turn from our wicked ways, then He will hear from heaven. He will forgive our sins and He will heal our land. I encourage you, I'm encouraging myself to be a part of a revival that starts with me and changes the landscape of our church and our country. Let's look at this amazing verse of Scripture. The Lord said, if my people will, then I will. This is a conditional promise of God. When God declares, I will, He guarantees the outcome. But when God in His Word said, if you will, I will, then that promise is contingent on our cooperation with the promise of God. If you will, he said, I will. It is obvious that God cannot hear us if we do not pray. The writer James said that you have not because you ask not. So obviously God cannot hear a prayer that we have not prayed. A thought is not a prayer. You may not pray out loud all the time, but the Bible said that when you pray, you are to say. So our prayers should be spoken to the heart of God. Verse 14 again, I'm going to go phrase by phrase. If my people, which are called by my name. I've clarified this to some degree already, but Old Testament Israel was the covenant people called by the name of the Lord. And we are the Lord's New Testament covenant people. We are called by His name. And the call to prayer is a call to the people of God. A person who is not in a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. And by that, that I mean a covenant of repentance, of water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is those three components of the new birth that brings us into a covenant relationship with Almighty God. 
So to us, the Lord says, if you will turn to me, to a sinner, the Lord's call to them is to repent and turn to the Lord. The church is being called to seek the Lord. The Lord says in 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Revival begins with brokenness. Humility is to subdue your will and submit to the sovereignty of God. God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. The proud are self-sufficient, self-reliant, and self-willed, and God resists them. The humble rely on the Lord and confess their need of Him. To pray for God's mercy on our lives is to humble ourselves in prayer. Brokenness, a contrite heart, is a heart that is submitted to God. And I want to make sure that we understand that it is not just prayer, it is prayer that comes out of humility and brokenness that reaches the heart of God. In Psalm 51, 17, in David's prayer of repentance, he said that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart God will not despise. We are to humble ourselves. And then in our text, Second Chronicles 7, 14, you can go all the way to the phrase, and pray. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, that is a condition of the heart that allows us to reach up to God in prayer. Prayer, we know, is talking to God. It also involves listening to God. The next words of this verse are going to expand on the idea of prayer, the type of prayer that we should pray. A prayer for divine favor. A prayer of repentance. And if we will pray, He will hear and answer our prayer. Once again, Second Chronicles 7.14. You're going to be seeing it a lot, but you know how long the verse is, so that should encourage you in the Lord. If my people, which are called by name, humble themselves, pray, and then he said, seek my face. This was the phrase that just kind of jumped out to me to focus on as I was preparing for my Father's Day message. Seeking the face of God is a dimension, it is a level of prayer that goes beyond petitioning our Heavenly Father for our daily needs. When we pray for our daily needs, the Bible said that our Heavenly Father knows we have need of these things before that we even ask Him and that He will hear us. But when we seek His face, we're asking the Lord to turn toward us in favor. Maybe the blessings of God are not on our lives because of the condition of our heart and our lives. But when we seek His face, we are praying to God that He would turn toward us and He would respond to us with favor. We are seeking the face, the favor of our Father. And I believe that this kind of prayer may be sometimes short on words and long on groans, as Paul said in Romans 8.37, with groanings that cannot be uttered. Or however you feel 
after the Lord. It is not just the abundance of words spoken, but it is a, a true seeking God's face, God's favor that grows out of our heart. I do not believe that this is a one-minute prayer. It is probably not a five-minute prayer. I'm not sure that you can time it. It's not necessarily a structured prayer. It extends past that. It is seeking the face of God with soul-searching prayer that lingers long until we hear from heaven. How long do you pray to seek the face of God? You seek the face of God until God's face turns toward you in favor. The old timers taught us growing up that sometimes you have to pray through. Perhaps that's a good way of viewing this, that we pray until there is a, a breakthrough, until heaven comes down and kisses the earth and the favor of God is felt on our midst. And we know that we have been in the presence of Almighty God. I was just reminded as I was saying those things about a prayer meeting that I was a part of when I was on a missions trip to Korea at the age of 18. There was a lot of trouble on that trip with the, with the people there and maybe some missteps on our part as a group. And I won't go into the details of that. But I vividly remember the 80-some people that were on that trip, 83 people, something like that, and, and so many headquarters people and ministers and young adults from all over North America. We were there in a ballroom at the Hotel President in Seoul, Korea, and we were down on our faces praying and praying and praying. And there came a message in tongues and interpretation. And I remember in that moment that the atmosphere changed. There was a Spirit of God that came in that room that changed everything that was there. It was prayer turned to praise, and there was a breaking out of the Holy Ghost that took place on that day. That's what I'm talking about, seeking the face of God, praying until there is a breakthrough in the Holy Ghost. Sometimes it may happen with you in your private closet of prayer. It may happen in a corporate prayer meeting in church or in a church service. But I think it's important for us to understand that just saying the prayer or going through the motions is not the same as seeking the face of God until there is a response from heaven. It may be at times like Daniel's 21 days of fasting and prayer. It may be like the days of prayer in the upper room that led up to Pentecost, at least a week to ten days of prayer. When the, David was writing about the cleansing dimension of prayer, Psalm 139, 23 and 24. I think this is seeking the face of God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. When you're seeking the face of God, it is looking deep down into your soul. It is pulling out stuff that maybe you never thought was there. Spiritual abscess in your spirit or some bitterness that has lingered long in your soul. Maybe it's carnality that has crept into your life or the entanglements of sin or just the cares of life that are choking out the life of God. But this kind of prayer of seeking the face of God is praying and doing a thorough cleansing of our heart. In Psalm 51, in David's prayer of repentance, when he was confronted by Nathan the prophet after his sin of adultery with Bathsheba, after he had her husband Uriah murdered, 
He prayed in Psalm 51.1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I'm just giving you some examples of prayers of people in the Bible that were soul-searching, deep-rooted prayers that were seeking the face of God. Because seeking the face of God and repentance is part of this process of restoring a broken heart, a broken church, a broken land back into a place of revival. But then this prayer must produce a change, must produce a turn in us. And the divine order of these words is certainly not accidental. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And then the Lord said, these are the words of the Lord in the night to Solomon, and turn from their wicked ways. Turn in the Old Testament is a word of repentance, turning to the Lord. In the New Testament, the word repentance comes from the Greek word metanoia, and it means a change of mind. Many of you have heard me say more than once that repentance is a change of heart, mind, and life direction away from sin and toward God. Turning is an action. It is not an emotion. Turning is a sign of true repentance. John the Baptist told the people to show the evidence or the fruit of repentance by a change in their life. Several weeks ago when I spoke on what is the Spirit saying to you, I, I talked about how John in Luke 3.14, I believe, told the publicans and the people and the soldiers how repentance would be evidenced in their lives. That, that repentance was to them something different maybe from another person. There were some issues that they had. And when they repented from deep in their heart and turned their lives over to the Lord, that there would be fruit, that there would be evidence of that repentance. Moses spoke to Israel about a time to come. He prophesied into their future that they would be compromised. They would be carried away into the land of Babylon. And there he said, if you turn to me, Deuteronomy 4.29. This is early in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses said, but if from thence, from there, you will seek the Lord your God, you will find Him if you will seek Him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. And then when you are in tribulation and all these things, all these bad things come upon you, even in the latter days, if you, Moses said, will turn to the Lord thy God and shall be obedient unto His voice, then the Lord would turn back to you. One commentary I was studying said that Second Chronicles 7.14 is a theological digest on the rest of the book of Second Chronicles. It is a history of the monarchy, the kings demonstrating their repentance and turning toward the Lord. Rehoboam in chapter 12 humbled himself before God. Hezekiah in chapter 32 prayed a prayer of repentance unto the Lord. Jehoshaphat turned to God to seek Him in Second Chronicles chapter 20. And then God's people obeyed His command. Asa and all the people in Second Chronicles 
chapter 15, they turned to the Lord. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and then there is this pivotal word in this wonderful verse, then. God said, if you will do this, then I will respond to your prayers. After we are broken in humility, after sincere prayer, after seeking His face, after there is a true turning away from sin and toward God, after we have taken care of the spiritual business at hand in our lives here on earth, then the Lord said, then something is going to happen in heaven. When we pray the Lord's prayer, we pray that God's kingdom would come and God's will would be done on earth as in heaven. We cannot change what happens in heaven, but we can control what happens in us on this earth. The Lord said, then I will hear from heaven. There were times in Bible history when the Lord said that for Israel's punishment from sins, that the heavens would be like brass. This is again, seems like we're spending a lot of time in Deuteronomy Deuteronomy 28, the Lord said in your sins, the heaven that is over your head is going to be like brass and the earth under your feet is going to be like iron. He says it another way in another place reverses the iron and the brass. He was not just talking about what I heard growing up that you're trying to pray and the heavens are like brass and your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. But similar to that, the Lord said that in your sin, that if you do not turn to me, it will be like there is no rain. Instead of rain, there will be dust from heaven. The heavens will be like brass where they do not give their rain. The Lord was referring to withholding a a successful crop. When the Lord hears our prayers, we want Him to respond in favor. So we seek the face of God. We seek His favor on our lives. And when we do, the Lord says, then will I hear from heaven. Now don't ever wonder if God hears or doesn't hear your prayers. But he is speaking about a response that would come from Almighty God from heaven to the prayers of a man or woman that's down here on earth. And the Lord said, I will hear from heaven. Verse 14. And will forgive their sin. We need the Lord to forgive our sins. Forgiveness is not automatic in the Old Testament or the New Testament. Some people believe because they are saved that the blood of Jesus is automatically applied to their lives anytime they sin, they sin. But the Bible is very clear about this in 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins. Here's an if again that is a condition. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. On Father's Day, I mentioned the story of King Hezekiah sending out messengers throughout the land calling for national repentance. He pleaded with them to turn back to the Lord. Second Chronicles 30 and 9. For if you turn again unto the Lord, your brethren, your children shall find compassion before them that lead them captive so that they shall come again to this land for the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return unto him Hezekiah's messengers 
received a mixed response. Some, the Bible said in 2 Chronicles 30 and 10, when the posts, those messengers, passed by the city, the country of Ephraim, Manasseh and Zebulun, they laughed him to scorn and mocked him. They rejected that message, that opportunity for repentance. But then the Bible said, but different ones of Asher and Manasseh and Zebulun, they humbled themselves and they came to Jerusalem to that place of prayer to seek the Lord. The Lord said, I will forgive their sins. And then the last phrase of Second Chronicles 7.14, and will heal their land. Now what healing did the land need in this context of Second Chronicles 7.14? Remember the things that could be symptoms of divine displeasure? The Lord said He would send His punishment for sin. Oh, you don't remember? Let's look at Second Chronicles 7.13. The Lord said, If I shut up heaven, that's the first thing, that there be no rain. If I command the locusts to devour the land, that's the second thing. Or if I send pestilence among the people. The Lord names three specific things that could be a consequence of the sin of Israel. And certainly there are other consequences of sin. If there's no rain, crops will not grow. And there is no hope of harvest. If the locusts devour what is growing, they can't eat the dirt. But if the locusts devour what is growing, they destroy hope and progress. And all the work of the harvest is in vain. When the Lord said pestilence, it refers to plagues among the people. Pestilence in the books of uh, Ezekiel and Jeremiah are mentioned 25 times. And pestilence, according to Bible dictionaries, refers to a sudden fatal epidemic. The Lord said, if I seem pestilence among my people. Think of these conditions. Drought, an invasion of insects, a deadly plague, an epidemic, a pandemic that sweeps through the land that were, were from the Lord. I'm not trying to imply that COVID-19 is from the Lord. Please don't put words into my mouth. But the Bible said that God can send a plague to humble people. You might think that these consequences belong in the book of Revelation. No rain, hordes of locusts, deadly dearths going throughout the land of pestilence. But not so. The Lord said this back in 2 Chronicles 7.13 to Solomon. And He said, when my people need a wake-up call, if I send these things to you, it is not to destroy you. Because I care a lot more about your salvation than I do your success. I want you to humble yourselves and pray. I want you to seek my face. I'm calling you to turn from your wicked ways. It is God's desire that He could hear us from heaven, but forgive our sins and heal our land. The Lord said that He would heal our land. And there are three elements of this Verse, 2 Chronicles 7.14 That God calls for humility. He calls for spiritual hunger to seek His face. And He calls for holiness of life that we would turn to Him with all of our hearts. I know that we should practice a discipline of prayer. Prayer should not just be rudimentary or rudimentary or academic. Prayer should always be passionate and fervent. Prayer is fellowship with Almighty God. Well, there are times when God calls us to a dimension of prayer of seeking the face of God. 
The psalmist David wrote of this in Psalm 27.7. And I pray that this would be our response tonight. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek my face. When God said to David, seek my face. David said, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. You've been my help, Lord. Don't leave me. Don't forsake me, O God of my salvation. So tonight in this Wednesday night Bible study, if you have grown cold in your soul, if you become entangled with the business of life, if you feel distant from the Lord, sin is building up in your life, calcifying your spirit. When the Lord is calling you to turn toward Him in prayer to seek His face, I encourage you to not delay. Because to to delay that response in prayer is really to deny the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. Our country needs Christians, this church, to turn to the Lord with all of our hearts. And a revival among us is the only hope for our nation. So I close with this verse again and then we're going to pray. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Would you pray right where you are right now. Maybe you need to grab your family, bring them close around you in a little holy huddle and let us pray that God would give us a true turning to Him. Do you realize that with everything that is going on in our country, with the pandemic, with political upheaval, social unrest, that it does not appear to me that there has been a true turning to God in prayer. So why don't we let it Start with us tonight. Oh Lord my God, I come to you right now in prayer. I pray Lord that prayer would not be an occasional thing in my life. And that prayer would not just be cursory, not going through the motions. That Lord you would help me find a place of fervent, passionate prayer. Lord I genuinely seek your face. I'm calling You, Lord, to move your people that are watching right now, that are listening right now. I pray that the words of this message, Lord, would be spirit and life and that you would let there be a divine call, not just the call of a pastor or a preacher to someone watching online, but that you would let this be a divine call of Almighty God, that we would humble ourselves, that we would pray that we would seek your face. So Lord, I pray for that right now, that you would call your church, call your people to a place of prayer. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.